And I'm Kyle Catridorian. And you're listening to another episode of The Accessible Stall. Emily, Emily, what are we going to talk about today? I'm so excited. Okay, so I think I might be more excited than you for this one. Why? We're going to talk about accessible, adaptive lingerie. I am so excited. I cannot wait because... Can I just tell you before we get into this conversation and introduce our guests that I feel like I am on a lifelong quest to find the right bra? I think how you, we've had this conversation. I think how, I, I, I obviously don't know, but I every time you talk about bras, I feel like it's me talking about shoes. Like, oh my it, God, that's it, so true. Yeah, like I, we've had this conversation like more than once. Everybody has that one thing that they struggle with to put on and for me it is a bra so we're going to talk about it but we're also going to talk about a lot more than that and I'm super excited we have some really cool guests with us today I cannot wait for them to introduce themselves we are chatting with two fabulous team members from Liberare and I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves because I think it's way more fun to hear right from the people. So, Emma and Gemma, tell us about yourselves. Well, first of all, Emily and Kyle, thank you so much for having us. We're so, so excited to be here today. So thank you. Um, I'm Emma. I'm the founder of Liberare. Um, and I'm here with Gemma, our visual brand director. Hi, everyone. My name is Gemma. Tell us about yourself. Great. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, well, I want to know more about you. Um, I am a, I'm the, I founded, well, I guess I'll tell you a little bit about the story later. Me, I'm trying to figure out who I am. Um, that's a good question. You never get asked this. No pressure. No, we never get asked this. <laughs> you know, the thing about the accessible <laughs> stall is that we really want you to have a little bit of an existential crisis before you it's get all, into it's the It's very on brand for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a good question. Well, I am a, uh, I'm 25. I this is my first company, and I live in Paris. I uh, am really accessible, excited about accessibility. I'm also like to paint, and I love Paris and French food and cheese and, um, and I think that's about sums me up. And Jeff, where do you say that? I mean, I have a question though. So, would you call yourself? And I say this not having watched it. Are you like Emma in Paris? Is this like Emily in Paris? Emma in Paris? You know what? I had an interview with Forbes, and they said the same thing. And I think I still need to watch the show because I don't have a good green on it. I know my outfits are not as fashionable, and I don't think my love life is as intense. But as an American that's a little confused living in France, that seems spot on. So Gemma, tell us about you. Yeah, of course. So I am the visual brand director at Liberare. I was born with a limb difference. Emma, I've been actually the company for about a year now. Emma scouted me out last year. It's, it's actually been a year, I think like three days ago. So year anniversary. And then apart from Didn't doing me. that, I'm also a disability advocate. I'm a part-time disabled model as well. So yeah got it all going on so yeah. i feel very feel very grateful to be in this position and yeah like four years ago i didn't even show my arm out in public so i've come on like a real journey and i feel like 
yeah, Libra has helped with that a lot. So very grateful. Emma's in tears right now. <laughs> you just gave me like the perfect segue into our next question, which is tell us about Libra Air, like the backstory. I would love to hear more about your journey too, if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. I mean, Emma, do you want to start with Libra Air? I feel like you've nailed this story so much. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Great. Um, so the story for Libra Air really starts when I was about 12 and my mom began to live with chronic pain and a few different autoimmune disorders and it left her um, with limited hand dexterity and so doing lots of things became difficult for the first time including putting on a bra and one of the hardest things was that was just those hook and eyes in the back are so nasty and just hard to do and so when my mom and I looked for new bras that were going to be able to be fun and beautiful because you know she's a cool woman in her 40s but also um, really functional and easy to get on and not going to cause her pain. We couldn't find anything. And when I got to university, I met a few other women with the same chronic illness as my mom and other disabilities and learned that, you know, they had this exact same thing. And I was always interested in fashion um, and wanted to just see, you know, kind of in university, just, hey, can I create something that's going to be easier to put on, but also really pretty for my mom? And so it started out of university in a class and then I was like you know what this is the, the best thing I've ever done it's so fun and hard and challenging and uh, ended up moving to Paris to launch it and we launched in February of last year and I was able to hire an amazing team and we sold out and it's just been really quite a journey but uh, it starts with a little 12 year old Emma with clear braces and uh cargo shorts and crocs this visual is giving me life yeah and a pixie cut oh and a pixie cut yeah. oh adorable <laughs> but also like what i appreciate is that your thought process wasn't it wasn't like oh man this really sucks that my mom is dealing with this it was like my mom's a really cool human being and we're gonna make something really cool for her yeah and I think that's a very evolved way for a 12-year-old to be thinking. I think it's easy to have a mom as cool as my mom. But I agree. I just never thought it as a like a, a pity party or something. It was just like... Uh, also, my dad has like always been an inventor. And so I was like, let's just... He always was creating toys and trying to get things patented and uh, always, creating, always creating something. And so it was kind of like, um, I just want to create something and bring it to life and make it for my mama. Yeah, you said this thing at the beginning where you were like, oh, this is my first company. I was like, first company? I don't have a first company. You know what I said? And I was like, what is she talking about? This is going to be your only company. <laughs> I was like, I don't have a company. I have I no companies. I heard my internal dialogue go, this is the only company you're going to run. Emma. What is first company? <laughs> no, never say never. That's how I feel about that. But um, Gemma, we can come back to you. I know, Kyle, you said you wanted to hear a little bit more about Gemma's journey. Yes, if you're willing to share, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, do you want to come back to it or do you want to delve on it now? Let's let's go on your journey. <laughs> Let's <laughs> Let's your journey. 
and then we can circle back around to the other part of the conversation. But I think one of the things that we tend to talk about a lot is our own journey with how we have felt about our disabilities. And so I'm always interested to hear what that's been for other people, especially because you said you started out, you know, not even really showing your arm. Yeah, definitely. I think that the world has 100% changed from when I was growing up. And I feel like everyone always says, oh, we didn't have this growing up or this growing up, but it is genuinely like that. So, I mean, I was born with my limb differences on my left hand, oh, my left arm, should I say. And I mean, my family have always been very like accepting. They've never treated me any differently. My mum's always thrown me at the deep end. She's never been like, you know, you're different. You need to be treated differently. I've always thrown myself into everything. And like growing up until I was probably until I got to my teenage when I was like 13. I mean, I didn't care. I actually call my arm Stumpy and my whole family call it Stumpy too. And um, which is really funny because I went to an event not long ago with loads of other limb different women. They also called it Stumpy, which I thought was really funny. But um, And then obviously I hit 13 and as a young disabled girl and having no role models and, you know, fashion and media back then was very stereotypical. And in a world that was so developing with technology, you become more different because the world is essentially in your hands and if you're not seeing other disabled women like yourself out there you know who can you relate to um so um, luckily I went to an all-girls school which some may say was a bad or a good thing you you say what you need to say um but yeah I mean I hid my I hid my arm and for pretty much when I was like 13 till I was about 21 um even like really hot weather I'd wear like knitted knitted stuff or long sleeves I would never ever wear anything that I wanted to wear I felt like I always had to cover it up and like along with that becomes social anxiety and yeah and then COVID happened and I, I don't know what happened I just had this kind of thought as like why are you holding back on something you know you should just go for it and I signed up to my agency started my Instagram and I've kind of never looked back really I yeah now I I mean I'm wearing like short sleeve and I went into town today and I didn't even, I didn't even care. And then, yeah, a year ago, Emma, well, she like headhunted me. She was like, we've got a job for you. That would be perfect. And yeah, it's just so, so nice to be working within a company that doesn't feel like a job. It's, it's like me, like I'm the demographic. You can ask anyone in our team a question and it wouldn't be like, oh gosh, you know, how should we do this? How should we approach this? It's like, what do we want to see? Like, what do we want? What products do we want to see? What didn't we have growing up that we need now? So, yeah, I mean, short term, that's my that's my journey. So, but yeah, it's been great, and I love every minute working here. So, you went fully from like one direction to the other of hiding to like, well, I'm gonna be a model now. Honestly, don't know what happened. It just, you know, during COVID, you you basically hide it anyway. So I was like, well. Might as well start an Instagram. I didn't actually tell any of my friends or family that I'd started my Instagram. My best friend's a photographer, so she took all of my pictures. And then slowly as I started getting noticed, I was like, oh my gosh, I went to school with her. And oh my God, I went to, you know, he's an ex-boyfriend and all this kind of stuff. So but then I started to become more confident because it was like, I'm proud of myself. So like Emily said at the beginning of the question, like we, we talk about our journeys like all the time. That's basically our whole show and it how it ebbs and it flows. Um, but to hear a, a, a story such like as like as fast paced as yours is is just really cool. Especially um, you know from a perspective of somebody who has a different disability than us, and it's just it's really cool. We we love hearing the stories of other uh, disabled people. It's our like favorite thing. Yes, me too. Yeah. 
Um, coming back to Liberare, uh, there has been, at least since we were kids, um, sort of an explosion of adaptive fashion brands. I'm not, there's still not that, there's still not enough. Um, but you probably know that like adaptive or inclusive clothing aren't the most fashionable in my personal opinion or fun to wear. Why do you think that that needs to change? So going back to like what I said, being like in your 20s, like right now I'm 27, why would I not want to wear the same type of lingerie that my friends are wearing? Why can't I wear something that is attractive and, you know, almost puts you aside and makes you feel more different? So, and like growing up the word like adaptive never seemed to like resonate with me because there was never any option. Like all the adaptive options, as you said, on the market were really frumpy or nude and not very attractive at all and like targeted at a slightly older market but if I had adaptive bra growing up then I wouldn't have struggled with like dressing and having to teach myself how to do the hook and eyes it would have been so much easier and less painful so I think it's so important to be able to have you know adaptive to be sexy and cool and fun so that you can you know it hits all target audiences and all ages and Oh, I, I, I just, yeah, I agree. I just think it's so, it's so infuriating that the baseline is that disabled people deserve frumpy. Like, and that just has been, was taken for granted for the last, since the beginning of time. And so um, I, you know, and it's just so evident to us that disabled people like anybody else are sexy and beautiful. And um, so creating sexy and beautiful clothing was obvious, but also... You know, we want to make bras that are uh, great and easier to put on for disabled people, but also creating bras that are easy for everybody. It's not like a marginalized, um, you know, company. We, we want to be really inclusive. And so when we created this bra, I was like, I want, you know, all of my, my mom, my disabled girlfriends, and the top models to wear this same bra that's just a better design bra that everybody freaking loves and is um so you know i'm wearing our bra right now i wear it every single day and um so we were also thinking about how we can make it accessible to everybody and creating a world where everything is accessible and everything is beautiful and going from there i think i'll be really excited when stuff like this is no longer specialized but like very easily available in the mainstream and Kyle, I know you were talking about shoes before and how shoes for you are like bras for me. When I was little, I also had trouble finding shoes. And I had to have uh, like platform lifts put on my shoes because I have like a discrepancy in the length of my legs. And so I could only wear certain shoes and they had to go over these really clunky plastic leg braces that I used to wear. And so... You know, before I was even worrying about bras, I was worrying about shoes, which was, you know, a much more visible thing for me. And there were only certain shoes that I could wear. And I wanted to be cool like everybody else. I mean, Kyle, I feel like, did you have this experience? Yeah, I I, I definitely did. Like, I used to wear leg braces as a kid, too. And I, I would be embarrassed. And I didn't know why. Now I know why. But I remember that distinct feeling of embarrassment for no reason, just having to wear shoes that were like two sizes up that I, like who cares about your shoe size in elementary school? Nobody. But you still feel that embarrassment of like, 
oh, everyone's going to know that it's different. Even though I went to school with people with disabilities, but you still have that. It's, it's just bizarre. Um, it's just weird to like reflect on your old self, but it's, yeah, it, it, Kind of never goes away. I still, I still am very, very particular about shoes. And I am so particular about bras and about underwear because I want something that is cute and functional and easy to put on and easy to take off. And I feel like I have spent so long searching for that solution. And you did. You sent me um, one of your bras, so I got to try the mechanism to take it on and off and i was like this is so clever i wish somebody had sent this to me sooner and <laughs> you know i'm wondering if you could actually talk about your design process a little bit i mean how are disabled people involved in the design and the testing and let's hear more about that absolutely so we have our lead designer maddie she's non-disabled and she's been designing bras in new york um, for the last 15 years so she's an expert in things like how do we construct a push-up bra or how do we get the maximum like comfiness and support but still like make it look good um, and then the rest of the team like help with the product ideas and then we have big product meetings and like how it's going to work and like why and then when we test out all the products and we give all of our feedback to Maddie we then send it to the rest of our community called Libba Babes yeah um one thing that uh yeah is absolutely right is that we have maddie who's yeah this experienced designer but like Gemma said um but it's really important that everybody on the team touches the bra and everybody on the team has um different uh dressing differences and different disabilities and so making sure that it fits with everybody but like you know we have an emma a Gemma, and another emma so it's really confusing but making sure that it works for everybody on the team um is really important and then also sending it to our community. So we have a community um, online that's a closed group. And it's a community where we talk about product development and like anything from what color do you guys want next to, hey, uh, on this last iteration of bras, was a strap too thin? Like, should we like, can we talk about what straps you guys like better so that we can uh, make sure that the, it works better for bigger bus sizes or things like, uh, where should I put my disability in my Bumble profile or um, other questions like that. But then we also send out products to different women and say, hey, we're looking for a 36G uh, to test this bra and make sure it fits really well. Who is it? Where in the world are you? We ship it off and um, usually do a FaceTime call and make sure we fit it. And uh, we've been doing that for a lot of, I mean, we, that's, the, that's how we built and we were able to make these products and make sure that they're accessible across multiple different disabilities you really pound the pavement it's just so cool like i that's i just i'm sorry i'm like fangirling over here but yeah it's it's it shows that you and your team um put in the work also i'm like a totally ignorant man right now um it do, do you have multiple sizes this is not on our questions list but you just said 36g and i was like that's kind of outside of the norm of like what i would consider I, I, I don't know that either but like is it like it's not one size fits all is it this is i'm sorry this is just me being a man <laughs> my favorite moment to ever have it on the yeah this, this is going to be clipped for sure i know i have to be honest kyle i've never gotten that question but i love it and i am here for it 
Um, there are many different, just like uh, there are many different sizes for jeans. Well, it gets even more complex for bras because some folks might have really small rib cages, but a larger, like in rib cages right under where your ribs are, um, but a really large bust size. And so, but you could have the same bust size as somebody else, but a different rib cage. And so, and bras are the hardest thing to make and the hardest thing to fit, right? And so you have to have a size for all of that. And so actually our newest bra, I think has 40 sizes. Like it is because you have to have, and so it goes like 32, 34, 36, 38, 40, 42, 44, 46, and it keeps going up from there. And then it goes from all the way from A to I. Our bras, our first thing is going from A to G, 32 to 46. And so it's a lot of iteration, a lot of, a lot of, it's a lot. So 42B, 42G. And so it's a lot of sizes. And so as a small business, that's the most we can do for now. But we're excited to expand more after that. I was going to say I actually love that Kyla brought this up because I am a weird bra size. And so the fact that you go to, you said what, 46 and G, is that right? Or 46 G. That's a big deal. That's a big deal to me because... I feel like when I go into a typical store, like, I don't know, Victoria's Secret, it's impossible to find my bra size. I think all of us on our team have experienced different things on different points, whether it's, you know, um, going into a store and not finding, you know, as a non-stable woman, not finding jeans that fit my curvy hips and not being in the size in this place called Paris where everything is a double zero or it's, you know, not ever, you know, from a size perspective or never finding something that fits or never something that's functional let alone actually getting into the store. And so uh, I think that we all know what that feels like. And I wanted to make sure I could, to the best of my ability, make sure that nobody felt left out when coming to our site. And even if it meant taking on more stock and the headache that's caused, it was really important for us. And we just can't wait to keep expanding. Uh, I'm learning so much. Cool. <laughs> back to our back to our uh, script question. So uh, tell tell us why entrepreneurship is like such a big deal in the disability space and in the disability world. Like, how has your journey shaped how you view the disability community and and vice versa? Right. Firstly, I think that the disabled entrepreneurs I know and in my life and on our board and and our company are the best entrepreneurs I know. And um, I also think we need to work on getting more funding for disabled-owned businesses. And so. I think from an outsider's perspective as a non-disabled person um, and what I've heard from other folks is that, um, you know, my friends who are disabled entrepreneurs, it's like you are forced from an inaccessible world to have to learn how all these traits and they happen to be traits that are correlated with successful entrepreneurs, whether that's from being innovative, thinking outside the box, being adaptable and flexible and working well with limited resources. And so, um, well, now it's just time to get investors on board to be able to break the uh, ableism that investors face and give more capital to disabled-owned businesses. Um, and I think that entrepreneurship at its core is innovation. And I think that in, in making changes that haven't happened before. And um, there's a lot of change that needs to be made. And big companies aren't working quickly enough to make sure that these changes are done. And who works quickly? scrappy startups and so and i think that uh startups can make a precedent 
in the in creating an accessible future, not just from accessible products, but also having uh, disabled founders and CEOs, C-suites, boards, executives, um, interns, every level of the company, um, creating inclusive hiring practices and accessible workplaces, creating, talking about disability in the right way, creating all these different things. And so I'm just really excited for what comes next in the next 10 years for entrepreneurship and disability. Let's keep going with that. Like, can you talk to us about how you do your marketing? Um, not just you specifically. Well, yes, just you specifically, but also like, what do you think companies can do and are not doing to reach the disability community? And how are you uh, different? I'll let Gemma speak in a moment because I know that um, once I start going, I have a hard time stopping. I just get really excited. Um, but I think that before we can talk about, you know, how to reach the disability community in marketing, I really think that we need to talk about what happens behind the scenes and like who is creating these marketing campaigns. If 15 to 20 percent of the world's population are disabled, then 15 to 20 percent of your workforce should be too. And it's again, it shouldn't just be um, it should be at all levels of the company making all from strategic decision making to um, to all, all levels, to interns, to everybody. To, to CEOs all the way to the top. And to add to that, there's nothing more confusing and some, like, somewhat infuriates me as well as when marketing and companies have a marketing campaign and they use disabled models, but their products aren't accessible. So I think it's really key that if you're going out with an authentic marketing campaign you, you and you want to include disabled people, you should have inclusive products. Yeah, I think if, they, if these companies hired more disabled people, they would like put two and two together and be like, obviously this is not authentic and obviously this isn't going to resonate well. And um, so I think that uh, like hiring people and listening are the two most, the best things that companies can do in terms of marketing and like, you know, disabled people are everywhere depending on the product and depending on the channel uh, will differ based on which company it is. But like if you have people internally as like full-time employees yeah. and not, um, you know, actually working on the campaigns and not just like a little focus group here that you rely on, um, you know, then you're going to have, it's going to um, be much easier to communicate and uh, bring your product to life. Oh my gosh, my biggest pet peeve is when a company is like, we talked to five disabled people and therefore... Our product is now good for all disabled people. I <laughs> know. Um, I know. And that was like one of like our things too was like, yeah, a lot of the women on our team have a disability, but like five people is like not enough. Like we got to get hundreds of people testing these products and, and making sure that it works. And so, but I, I totally agree. It's like designed by and for disabled people. Company earnings or company report. Zero percent, not even listed, you know, like, or, you know, or not even talking about disability and anything or, or have no accessible, when you look at their glass door for hiring, not inclusive, nothing's inclusive. You're like, who are you? <laughs> I feel like I see that happen all the time. And yeah. I think the one thing that always comes up for me too, is not only are you focusing on what's going on behind the scenes, but also how you're presenting yourself to the world? And so 
that I think is the biggest component of marketing for me. And I am constantly looking for myself in marketing and I don't see myself. And I think that is enough to make me feel like a product is not for me. It wouldn't work for me. It wouldn't look right on me. I'm not the demographic. So I have that problem a lot. But one thing I noticed you guys do is you show a lot of different people, a lot of different body types, a lot of different disabilities in the posts that you put up on social media. And that is one of the most exciting things to me because I definitely don't see enough of that. So I'm pretty sure based on the rest of this conversation, that's got to be a conscious choice. But can we talk more about your thoughts on representation when it comes to marketing products? Because yes, it's great to hire disabled people. Yes, it's really great to test with disabled people. But what about actually showing disabled people wearing or using your products? I feel like that shouldn't be so radical, but it still continues to be radical. I completely agree, Emily. And um, I'll let Gemma speak to this. But just to say that we have, we're actually planning a new photo shoot. So we have and with our new launch of our new product that goes up to a G cup, um, we have even more body types, more different diversity, more age representation too. And so, I thank you for um, you know saying that we're doing a good job with different disabilities. But we, there's always more that we can do. And so, I'll just preface that with this. But Gemma, why don't you hit it off with uh, our strategy? Yeah, for sure. And there's always, like you said, there's always more that can be done. Um, and as you said before, like we want to have as many different types of disabilities as possible. Um, you know, if there's any any disability representation anywhere, it's often like just like white women in wheelchairs. And although these white men are they're just as important, um, we want to see all types of people in intimates and all types of disabilities and all types of body types. So yeah, that's really important to us. So yeah, I think that. Yeah, it's like if there's ever something, it's like it's never intersectional. It's never talking about like, you know, trans disabled people or queer disabled people or disabled people of color too. And it's always, it's typically, you know, shows one type of disability too. And so when we think about that, we're trying to think of, you know, A, dis we know that disability is on monolith. And so being able to capture as many unique experiences as we can is important to us. Um, and so... Yeah, it's, it's been really important to us. I volunteer Kyle for your next photo shoot. <laughs> we love it. Kyle, we'll have to get your bra fitted and make sure hey, you know your size. There's now, that more I, than one. now that I'm educated on how it all works, I will get that right to you. Absolutely. <laughs> this is a great behind the scenes content hey. where we are going to take a video measuring your bra size, Kyle. Oh my God, we should actually do that. We should do that. That's like... I, we can teach oh, you. you think I'm joking, but I'm not. No, we're I, doing I, this. Yeah, no, we're doing that. <laughs> tell you all about how to measure yeah and so enlightening <laughs> i think there is a whole conversation here i mean i know we could go way off the rails but i will just say i do think there is a whole conversation here about the measuring process and how inaccessible <laughs> that is too i literally just had coffee with somebody and we were just talking about this and i think we could start a whole other company that's just like 
inclusive measuring in terms of for that's for bras for all products and in, if my brain wasn't entirely in bra mode and thinking about the support and wire free support and all of that stuff i would maybe have in me another ability to make another company all about sizing but dear listeners that is a great business and we need you and we'll work with you like we need to think about more inclusive size measurements tactics like see you also i said at the beginning when you said first company and you were like well this is my only company but now we already have a new company idea and we're like 30 minutes into this episode so all it took was a conversation right i realize people are not seeing the video here but just as a description like emma is literally holding up a tape measure as she talking, so which i have on me at all times honestly to- i respect it <laughs> it's just so to like kind of round this out we know that when we put this episode out that we are inevitably going to get feedback from um less than savory people about how disabled people aren't sexier can't be sexier you know that kind of crap what would you say to people like that that kind of crap <laughs> well it's just not true but i wanted i want to know their perspectives it's do you know what it is it's just so disheartening to know that there are people out there that hold like such ableist views and have such trolling behavior i mean we've all experienced it like day-to-day everyday lives on social media in person it's just it's just important to remember that like their opinions do not define the worth of attractiveness of disabled people and to just ignore them get on with it yeah our final words to them are f you wow (laughs) there's a line between like you know when we're managing our social media comments which i'm sure like you guys you know on tiktok where it's photos of one we're always yeah we could end up on we're always worried we're like are we gonna end up on the wrong side of tiktok or the right side of tiktok with video we're like are we gonna end up on the creepy old man side where they're saying the most inappropriate things about our team and everything um or are we gonna end up on disability tiktok which is the best side of tiktok arguably there's no argument there. It is the best at TikTok. And uh, it's always a gamble. And it's just, uh, it's really frustrating. And um, yeah, the stuff that people say on our TikTok videos is really, can be really disgusting. And it's hard to say, it's hard for us to think like, you know, especially as a non-disabled ally, I'm like, how much of my day do I want to spend building this company? And making sure that people feel empowered and getting the right bra, redoing the cups, doing these things, working with amazing influencers. And how much of the day do I want to spend educating these people that say nasty things on our comments where I feel obligated to educate as an ally and just be, or just block. But I don't, it's something I think about a lot. It could, that That's might. a really good question and I think it's something that Kyle and I think about a lot too like the picking your battles yeah yeah Yeah, we are constantly like how much energy do we spend engaging with arguing with people and how much do we put into actually doing the work like how much do I want to talk to like user 69 74 420 in 
who knows, you know, like trying to convince him of something and like, I don't even, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. silence is more powerful than anything. You're just <laughs> giving them what they want otherwise. Yeah. Wise words. And on that note, I want to know first and foremost, Kyle, what your final takeaway is before we go to our guests, because I feel like you have been schooled a little bit today in the best possible way. A little bit. <laughs> I, that, this is this is hey, I mean, I'm gonna get off this call and we're gonna we're gonna film me fitting a, a, a bra for me. I mean, I I'm like <laughs> I'm ready. No, my my final takeaway is that um, you know, there's there's things that you think you know, right? Like everyone. Like every disabled person will argue like disabled people are sexy and that they deserve to be. But like when we talk to people like this who are actually putting in the work and trying to make inclusive clothing, like what I learned most of all is that this is not easy. Like it's not. And not that you both of you have claimed that it is, but like just hearing about it from somebody who like is disabled, but who's who this product is not for. It's just like, wow, there's like so much more work involved in all of this than I could have ever thought of. And that's just amazing to me. Yeah, and I think also right now it's so much work because there's so many or there's such a lack of resources for stuff like this. It doesn't have to be this hard, I think. I feel like my final takeaway is that this needs to become the norm. I agree. I think it will be. I hope it will be. I hope it will be. But in the meantime, can you tell all of our fine and beautiful listeners where they can find you on social media absolutely well first of all thank you so much for having us this was such a pleasure such a great conversation so many laughs on a great afternoon you can find us on instagram at liberare.co that's l-i-b-e-r-a-r-e dot c-o and that's the same as our URL, L-I-B-E-R-A-R-E dot C-O. And it's not dot com. It's just dot C-O. But that's where we're at. on this, listeners, all of you. So be ready. Yeah. And what about um, if you would like, where can our listeners find you, Emma, and Gemma as human beings outside of Liber Air? Absolutely. I been frequently traveling back and forth and so actually instagram is the best way to reach me and i try to respond to um try to respond i had like my mom and my sister as my followers so yes i will respond speaking as if i have a lot of followers i do not i literally have my mom and my sister um and my instagram famous or tiktok famous dog um my mom's dog uh emma underscore c like the letter butler at emma underscore c butler is my instagram and mine is at Gemma Adsby so G-E-M-M-A A-D-B-Y my god there is so much spelling happening right now (laughs) but seriously thank you both for joining us you are both lovely we're super excited about what you're doing we really appreciate the real talk and it's just been a joy having you both and a joy being on here. Thank you so much. And we're so excited. Thank you. <laughs> and Kyle, can we plug our Patreon? Yes. If you are willing and able. 
you can go to patreon.com slash the accessible the accessible stall i know the name of the show just one dollar a month ensures all current and future episodes of the accessible stall remain what emily i forgot accessible oh that's right (laughs) (laughs) and on that note this has been another episode of the accessible stall and might we say you look great today we love that bra you're wearing yeah fantastic that a weird way to end that that's a weird way to end that we always tell people that they look good but can we compliment them on their lingerie? <laughs> I think for this one we can. You did, we can. I didn't do it. You did it. It's fine. <laughs> I did. It's fine. You're right. Absolutely. It's fine. I meant it in the most loving way possible. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Have a good night. Day. Oh, my God. What? I don't know what time it is. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>